This episode of the Think Podcast is brought to you by the Christian Culture Builders Facebook group. This is an amazing group filled with believers in Jesus, optimistically working to create great commission hubs for the spread of the gospel, the furthering of Christ's kingdom, and the emergence of Christian culture in the world. We are working through the three spheres of authority, the family, the church, and the state to make it happen. Check out the group by going to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Christian Culture Builders. All right, welcome to the Think Podcast Worldview Wednesday. My name is Joel. If that's your cue, man. I'm Pastor Rafe. <laughs> uh, we are joined today by a very special guest. Can you? Oh boy, are we getting a delay, Rafe? Can you hear me? Okay, this is going to be fun. This is gonna <laughs> yeah. Be- you're delayed on my end a little bit. Okay, and you're a little delayed on mine, so um, we'll just both secretly judge each other for uh, responding <laughs> for responding late. Um, the pro life movement. That, look, this is Worldview Wednesday, man. We're we're gonna get a little uh, a little crazy as we often do, but we're talking about a, a topic that is very very important. The pro life movement has been building momentum since Roe versus Wade, since that SCOTUS case was handed down in 1973. But the tragic reality is that abortion is still very much legal in the U.S. Is it possible that we've been doing something wrong? And is there a way that we can take action through governmental and legislative processes to actually end the scourge of abortion in our time? Now, I mentioned we have a very special guest, Dennis Sarfate. Dennis Sarfate, from uh, you might know him as his role as uh, a pitcher on the Fukuoka SoftBank Hawks baseball team, or from the Baltimore Orioles, or I uh, played in Houston. He played in Milwaukee in the MLB. But I didn't know him from any of those things. I actually met him at the Fight Laugh Feast conference in Franklin, Tennessee, last week, where I was. Uh, I was there representing the Think Institute. He was representing the amazing organization, Action for Life. And after we got to talking a little bit, I knew that Dennis needed to come on the Think Podcast and that he needed to come on prior to the election and he needed to come on Worldview Wednesday so that Rafe and I could both interview him together. Um, So at the conference, we talked about his organization, the parent organization, Red State Reform, and uh, how to end abortion. So we're really going to get into it today. We're about to tackle this topic. That's what we do. We tackle impossible topics from a biblical perspective. This is Worldview Wednesday, and you can find out more about Action for Life at TakeActionForLife.org. Now, without any further ado, Dennis Sarfate, not Sarfate. Not Sarfate. That's, that's for Bob Euchre only. <laughs> Thanks for having you guys. You know, I'm I'm glad to have you on, man, because um, I've I've got one of those Italian names like you. So my name is yeah. Setacase. Yeah. But, um, and if an Italian person reads it, it's Setacase. That's what I was gonna say. Setacase. Yes. For sure. So, I always say Setacase behind your back, Joel. That's, <laughs> that's just how I naturally refer to you. That's that's actually the nicest thing that you say behind my back. So I'm I'm grateful for that. You know. What what would you be, Rafe Rafe Chenetti. What would your yeah. last name be? What's well, Chenery is British. It's, it, Chenery's British. What's, you, it British you, what's it? What's it British for? What's it British for? <laughs> what does it mean? When I try to do a British accent, I come off like Austin Powers. So I don't think I don't think we need to try to do a, a British accent on Chenery. I don't know what it means. Maybe it yeah. means canary. Canary. That's what I would think. Yeah, real, real great. 
<laughs> I'm pumped about that. I mean, yeah. I just feel like that's that nailed it, Canary. Very masculine. It is. Yeah, it's a masculine. It's a real, you know, go go take the mountain kind of name. So yeah, <laughs> I'm really proud of that name. <laughs> You're going down into the coal mines of uh, of life, man. You know, that's what they used to use canaries for. Okay, well, this is this is ridiculous. Um, Dennis, could you could you just um, man, could you give us a little bit of background on? You've just got this fascinating story that I had no idea about when we met down there at the Fight Laugh Feast conference. Could you give us a little bit of background on who you are, where where you came from, and then what led you to join this organization, um, Action for Life? Sure. So I uh, grew up in a very Catholic home uh, where it was all about Christmas and Easter. I went to church. I, I got communion, baptism, confirmation, still had no idea. I never saw my first Bible until I was 25 years old. Uh, so really didn't have a, a set foundation. Um, I was put into um, a group when I started playing baseball, FCA, liked it more, more in fact used it for um, a good luck charm. And through the early part of my career, that's all I did. I would go to chapel on Sundays, use it as some good luck charm. Well, through that whole thing, going to the big leagues, uh, God brought me to Japan. I thought it was to play baseball. Little did I know that he was going to save me uh, my second year there. Um, wow. So my second year in, a, in an atheistic country where Christianity is less than 1%, God decided to, to save me. Uh, after about two years of fiddling around with some other churches locally in Arizona, uh, my wife and I heard Jeff Durbin speak um, at the church that we were actually at and quickly made a run for the door um, as God revealed some things to us and brought us to Apologia in 2014. That's when we really started to get involved with this ministry. Um, it wasn't called in abortion now yet. We would just join them on Saturday mornings out at the mill in Tempe and uh, listen to Jeff preach and share the gospel, hold signs, uh, try to support them as they spoke to the, the people going in. Uh, I got to see plenty of people's hearts change. I got to see plenty of people not liking us there. Um, and we knew that it was a fight that needed to be done. A little quick thing, why we cared so much about that. My wife's adopted uh, from one of those situations that you would hear these days as, uh, oh, you definitely should get an abortion. Her Biological mom was poor. Uh, it was a one-night stand at a bus stop, of all we know of it, um, and she chose life. My wife was adopted by uh, Joe and Linda, great people, was, weren't believers. Jada, my wife, actually became a believer before them, led them to the Lord um, when she was 16. Her dad became a pastor. When I met Jada, I had no business being with her. Uh, I was not a believer of any sort. I uh, was actually just loving my sin and living in it. And her parents would always pray for me. And, you know, through the years, God just used her in my life to, to bring me to him and to bow down to him. And what a, what a thing to think about that her biological mom could have chose to have an abortion. I wouldn't have my three daughters. No. The last eight years, I wouldn't have been sharing the gospel in Japan. Uh, so from one life, what has come from that? And so now we sit here on the battleground ready to fight and, and end this abomination. What man, that's that's incredible, man. That's incredible. Wow. Um, 
you know, this is something, this, this subject is something that Rafe and I have, uh, have broached before. Uh, we've, we've got, we've had a couple of episodes, but, um, but Rafe, you've actually been out doing like activist work, like praying out at the, uh, the abortion mills. What do you, are you connected Rafe? Do you have any connections with, um, end abortion now? No. And so, I mean, no, other than knowing about you guys and, uh, being a fan of Jeff and, and what apology is doing out there. Um, and so, yeah. And I'd say the extent of the work we do, and frankly, when it comes to abortion, I, I constantly feel like there's so much more work to do than the very little we're able to do on a, or a, the small amount we're able to do on a regular basis. What I try to do is from time to time, get out and pray and be a presence. There's two major abortion clinics uh, within a mile of my house, mile and a half of my house or so uh, that I try to get out to and uh, just pray in front of. Usually I, I pair it with a day of evangelism, go out downtown, evangelize and share the gospel and then spend time in front praying, praying for folks to see walking in. Um, but certainly when I look at the work you guys are doing in abortion now and the work I've seen Durbin do uh, with his crew, uh, you guys set the bar pretty high in terms of um, just being bold and courageous to stand in the gap on this topic. And so to be honest with you, I think it'd be awesome if you could share a little bit about what that work, I mean, I'm assuming that's where we're going in terms of sure. this conversation, but just in terms of even for our listeners who might not know about apology or a lot of the work you do do in front of the clinics, I think that'd be good for them to hear. Sure. So end abortion now was started after a conversation that Jeff had with the, at the time, the vice president of the right to life, uh, Tony Lowinger, who, if, if anyone knows anything about the, the Right to Life organization and the um, abortion ministries now, they don't really want to abolish it. They want to incrementalize it where you take a little bit back, you take a little bit back. And for me and for everyone like Jeff and Zach Morgan and those pastors at Apologia and Luke that have been in this fight for years, it's time for the church to stop backpedaling and to start going out. We have the good news, so we need to go out and share it. Um, at the mill, what it looks like is we hold up signs that are sometimes you don't want to, you don't want to see them. You know, it's very brutally honest of what, what's going on in there. They're murdering babies at will. You're paying a hitman to do your, your dirty work. And we are so gracious. We have people that are ready to adopt. We have people that are ready to pay for doctor's bills all the way through to the end of the, the pregnancy. We just want you to hear the gospel. This is a gospel issue. This is not something that uh, you can be. There's no neutrality. It's you either think that murdering babies is okay or you don't. Most of the people that go there think it's okay. Uh, we're beyond the scientific method of proving that it's a, a clump of cells versus a babe, a human life. It's a human life. It's been proven. The pro-choice scientists would say it's a human life. So what do we do? We have to protect the sanctity of life, what God has commanded us. Um, I can go through the Bible verses like you already know. The Ten Commandments, thou shalt not murder. Uh, we look at Proverbs where it says there are six things that are abomination, or that the Lord hates, seven that are abomination. Shedding innocent blood is in there, and so are people that, that create evil schemes. Uh, that is the epitome of Planned Parenthood and what they are doing out there. It's dark. It's a very dark ministry. But when you bring light to it, you're expecting that there is going to be some fight. We've had... Uh, members of end abortion now had guns pulled on them, guns shown to them, uh, a swerve of the car at the side of the road. 
the obscenities yelled at us. Um, but God has been so good through end abortion. Now thousands of babies have been saved, not only in America, but now they're in New Zealand, Ireland. So this is, we're taking back. Jesus is king over everything. Jesus isn't king just over of our church and inside those four walls. He's king over our government. He's king over everything. And we need to start treating him as such. And we, we, we are going to stand before God and have to answer for this abomination and what did we do. And so we need to be prepared. There are many aspects. So what you do, Pastor F, that's great to go out there and pray. We need to cut off every, every arm and leg that this beast has. So praying, going out to the abortion mill, sharing the gospel, um, legislative side. So that's what we're starting to get into now with that. And we will work this and it will be ended. It will be ended. Okay, Dennis, I, I want to respectfully um, offer some a pushback or maybe think of this as a challenge to something you said earlier, because I watched the video, uh, the film by Marcus Pittman, Babies Are Still Murdered Here. Yep. I found it incredibly compelling. I watched it with my wife. And here's here's where I, I want to push back. Okay. Because I want to I want to play uh, I'm not going to say devil's advocate, but I want to I want to I want to play a pro life industry sure. advocate. Sure. Couldn't it Couldn't it be that that the pro life movement? It's not that they don't want to end abortion. It's just that the way that they're trying to go about ending it is very timid, is uh, overly overly politicized, is not aggressive enough, and therefore is ineffective are you really going to say that they don't want to end it at all like they really just want to keep it around so that they have a a, a cause you know um kind of like you know someone who someone who fights childhood obesity you know wants kids to be fat so they have a, a, an employment uh yeah. opportunity but i mean are you really willing to say that they truly don't want it to be outlawed at all well, I don't know their heart, so I can't answer for what they truly, truly believe. But for sometimes, you know, actions speak louder than words. And when you when you call and shoot down a bill in Oklahoma that Senator Joe Silk had, that's an issue. We had the backing of it, and the, why didn't they want it to pass? Those should be questions that they have to answer. What was so bad about? What's so bad about the heartbeat bill? Um, we all, if we claim Christ and we say that, it's a baby fertilization, which we all know it's at conception. Then why don't you just hit a button? Let's delete this. Let's end it. So the pastors like uh, Pastor Zach Morgan at Apologia, um, John Barrows, um, and all the other men that are fighting across the country at abortion mills, that they can just stay home. They don't have to go out anymore. That incrementalizing it, what does that actually do for the movement? And we have them on tape saying, that they don't want to get rid of the 50 years of work they've done to abolish it, which that, that to me, that no, that is not okay. And we need to fight that. They're saying, wait, can, can you flesh that out? Because you mentioned, you mentioned a couple of bills that I think some of our listeners, um, you know, they're probably furiously Google searching right now. What, what are these the heartbeat so, bill? And then the other one you mentioned, So you have, you have HR 305, which, um, Jody Heiss out of Georgia is trying to put, it's actually on there right now. They're trying to get a vote on it. That calls human life at fertilization. Okay. That is pretty much giving legs to what everyone already knows. Both sides, pro-life, pro-choice movement. We know it's a baby. We know it's a human life. The science has proven it. 
Okay, so now there's two sides. You can murder that baby, you can't murder that baby. Okay, so the pro-life movement of you know, right to life, they think that over the last 50 years, all the work that they've put in to get to where they are would be gone if it's abolished. And so there's only one other thing to take out of that. Do they want the means coming in as the financial means? Do they want to keep a job? I can't answer that. I think they're the ones that should be on the hot seat and answering those questions. As a pro-life group, if you truly care about ending abortion, why are we getting so much backlash from that group? Um, yeah. And that would be my question to them. Well, I think, you know, there's two things in there. One, I was surprised because I, I don't know what I was listening to recently. Jeff was speaking somewhere uh, where I heard him say that the number one pushback they get is from pro-life organizations. 100%. Uh, obviously, that's what you're talking about now. And I that was a, a shock to me. And what seems to me is that they uh, pro-life organizations who are trying to incrementally change it are just convinced that it can't be all undone. Like you, to me, the, the perspective is they're saying, all right, it's not going to work. We're not, we're not going to end it fully, at least today. So let's chip away at it little by little. And then the work that I know you guys are working on, they probably see that as a threat, as like a strategy that is uh, a failing strategy. Uh, that's at least when I, when, I, when I was trying to understand it a little bit. That's, I'm, okay, that's probably where they're coming from with this. Um, but I'm 100% with you. It's either a life or it's not. And if it's a life, then we're not trying to incrementalize murder. We're trying yeah. to actually sustain the sacredness of life. There's something else in here that's important that uh, the three of us, obviously, just you know, being passionate about this conversation are aware of, but many of the listeners might not be. And uh, Dennis, you said it, is that the science fully supports the pro-life position. And that's something that is so important for people to realize and to look up and to be well-versed in because back when Roe v. Wade was passed in the early 70s, they did not have a tenth of the science of what's going on inside of a womb that we have now. They didn't have the imagery. They didn't have all the DNA work. I mean, they didn't have, and they had some, but not like we do now. And we've had so much science constantly um, proving what the Christian has always been saying about life in the womb, that it's a life at conception sure. fully. And that to take that life is murder. In fact, I was reading an article. Uh, I don't know where it was. I, I think we talked about it one time, Joel, recently on a show. I was reading an article recently from a, uh, a doctor who does research on life in the womb. And he laid out all this stuff of what's going on inside that child. You know, what's happening in their mind, what they can understand, what kind of memories they're forming, all of that. And then at the end of it, he said, but I don't want this to be used in a pro-life way. That's sure. not the purpose of this. This is simply just reporting facts. Unreal. And that's the, the, the great insanity of the science behind what's going on of life in the womb is that while we have all the science, so much of the scientific community refuses to actually apply real meaning to the data that they're discovering. Sure. So I think that's just important for our folks listening to know is that the pro-life position is very, very well supported by the science. I think the, the other big issue is the the national right to life, we want to criminalize this. This is not, if you were to commit murder, you would be put on trial and given a sentence. We are willingly going, people are willingly going to abortion mills, hiring a hitman as the abortionist and, and having their baby killed. Someone needs to be held accountable for this. And so they might have a hard time. I know the, the, the Catholic religion has a hard time calling it murder, 
due to their, their doctrines, which are flawed to begin with. But is it murder? We know it's murder. So what happens if you murder? Um, you know, the pushback that we get all the time. What about rape, incest, or the life of the mother, right? Those are the three main arguments you're going to hear against the pro-life movement. Okay, well, let's, let's talk about rape. I believe that the rapist should get the death penalty because that's what God's word says, okay? I don't think the child should get the death penalty. I think the father should get the death penalty, okay? Incest, same thing. That would be another thing Levitical law would be murder. He would be put to death. Now, the biggest misconception they have with the life of the mother in danger of the baby, that's a rescue mission. That's never been called an abortion. You're going in there with a chance to save one life, choose one. All right. And you're going to choose whatever one you choose. That's a rescue mission. So that and we're talking about less than one percent of the abortions. If you go out and stand in front of a, a very busy, active um, abortion clinic, you are not going to see these cases. You are going to see the women that are being dropped off by their men, by their boyfriends, their parents, whoever, to kill their baby. And so th that's what we need to stop. We need to stop this abomination. So tell us about the organization Action for Life, because um, here uh, one of the things that stuck out to me in our conversation down there at the Fight Left Feast conference, Dennis, because you were right next to your booth was right next to End Abortion Now, sure. and I, and I remember I don't know if I'm sure you talked to a million people just like I did, but I asked you, okay, so what's the difference between Action for Life and End Abortion Now, and one of the differences that was very clear was all over your table, you had clipboards with petitions. And yeah. I remember seeing at least two or three petitions and people were signing them. There were signatures on them and you were clearly collecting signatures. And what you explained to me was that whereas end abortion now equips believers in Jesus name to go out to abortion mills and to minister to and pray for and um, hopefully persuade would-be abortive moms to not have abortions and, and sure. you know, to promote adoption. You're working more through legislative means. And I would really like to drill down on that. And, and um, you know, we've got a lot of folks who listen to this podcast who are very much bought into the idea of, you know, Christians building culture, influencing mm -hmm. culture. Um, and man, we've got a lot of folks who aren't yet and we want to get them there in Jesus sure. name. So tell us about how do you work within legislation and within local government to affect change and what makes you different than some of the other organizations that are out there? Sure. Okay. So in 2014, Jeff started End Abortion Now with Apologia Church. Uh, that is to equip other churches uh, nationwide, now even globally, to go to the mill, share the gospel, um, backed by your church. This is not some freelance, I'm going to have it delivered to my house and my wife and I are going to go. This is from the backing of the church. So there is accountability there. And that way we don't get off of what the true message is, is the gospel. Um, we realize that we can keep doing this and we can keep sending people out to the abortion mills and share the gospel and save babies, but nothing's going to change. We're going to have to keep doing this and doing this and doing this. So what we came up with was let's fight this legislative side. Now, if let's go back to the 73, that, that Supreme Court justices was majority Republican. 
And a lot of people think that just because the next president or if Trump puts another Republican uh, judge in there, that it's going to end Roe v. Wade and overturn it. That's not the case. In, in 92, there was another case, Planned Parenthood versus Casey. Planned Parenthood was going against a uh, governor of um, Pennsylvania that was saying it. What happened was it was another majority Republican nominated judges and it finished 5-4. So yes, they got better. But this is not going to be overturned by the federal government. We need to do it locally. Local magistrates need to get local legislators on in this fight. So for us, for Action for Life, we are going to hold accountable all of those politicians that run on these pro-life foundations where they're saying, I support life, I am pro-life. Well, you're going to have to prove it. If you say you support the pro-life bills and then you don't vote pro-life, we are going to end your political career, whatever it takes. And you know how you do that? You go show their voters and you show this, this is what he said and this is what he's doing. He's not living up to his end and get him out. In, in Arizona right now, we have uh, Representative Walt Blackman from District 6, a brave uh, army uh, soldier. He's 21 years in the service, lives in Snowflake, a little small town, but District 6 is pretty big. I got the bill right here. This is the bill right here that we are going to introduce to criminalize abortion in Arizona. Okay, so we just wow. need men to stand up and be men. This is not – the church has given this over to politicians and judges. This is not a political thing. This is the Christian culture. This needs to be everywhere. Christians need to be in everything. We have the moral standing. We have the foundation of God's word, the truth. That's all we need. We shouldn't be backing up against different, you know, political movements. We should be going and saying, no, this is what it is. BLM, this is what it is. God says that we are all created in his image and that there is no color barrier. Yes, that's what it is. Well, baby, same thing. We need to fight and say, this is a baby. You can't murder. The Constitution pro prohibits it. We, we hear about all these unconstitutional, well, Black, Blackman was one of the justices on the 73 case. He actually said that it was unconstitutional, but it gave women equality. This is not about privacy. This is not about equality. This is about murdering babies and it needs to be stopped. And I just, I love the, um, the willingness to recognize that this is going to have to come through a lot of different means. So the fact that you guys were out there and you've been doing an abortion now, you're in front of the clinics and you're making an impact. And frankly, just there saving hundreds of babies' lives, right? Thousands, thousands. thousands of babies' lives. And what's so important there, uh, and what I, again, what I love you doing, what we've tried to, uh, I don't want to say mimic, but what we, we've tried to do here in Chicago is develop a, a powerful adoption ministry as well to basically say like, you got it. We're against this because it's God's word. And we're also the solution. <laughs> like sure. we're the church. We're, the church we're the solution. We're the church with the solution. So we're going to end injustice and we're going to also serve and yeah. bless the community and be the solution. And so you adopt lots of children um, and you develop a culture that among the church, which frankly, I also think is one of the, uh, one of the most important pieces in this, but not being obvious that we have to stand for the child and we have to stand for the sanctity of life, but we got to get churches adopting adoptive measures. <laughs> we got to get entire yeah. cultures built around funding, caring adoptions are expensive. We got to get Christians building cultures where ch the church owns adoption again. And so I love that. And I love that 
when you realize that wasn't going well, not going well, but when you realize you're going to have to do more than just stand outside the clinic, sure. You turned, and then you kept saying, where else can we influence culture? And that to me, that, that is so much of the heart of what Joel and I regularly talk about in Christian culture making mm -hmm. uh, is just that we, we need to take that culture and it's not a one lane thing. We've yeah. got to come at this from many different outlets and political is one of them. <laughs> we, sure, have we, have to engage, we have to engage the culture. Yeah. If you think about it, the Supreme Court, the, the states can do individual things. So that's why this is Roe v. Wade getting overturned would be a huge blessing. But this is an individual state thing. Look at what California, uh, Colorado, Oregon does with marijuana. They tell the federal government, buzz off. We are going to legalize it in our state. So this is not something that we have to, oh, we, Roe v. Wade, we have to recognize what the Supreme Court says. That's not the case. Individual states, right now in Arizona, SB 13-3603 criminalizes abortion. There has never been a governor, uh, attorney general that has upheld it or enforced it. It's illegal right now. There's a crime being committed as we speak. Ten babies have been murdered in the last 35 minutes here in Arizona. It's illegal, but it just continues to go. And was that is that a law that predates? This Roe is a law Wade? that is was predates it, but also all the amendments they've added to it have only strengthened it. This is actually the law. This is SB 13-3603. And wow. all of the things that we've crossed out are some other things that we had to get rid of in it. But this is built by a constitutional lawyer who knows what he's doing and it's already on the books. We just need people to enforce the law. And Jeff's wow. taken it before we've called the cops and said they're breaking the law in here and the cops come and they do nothing. And we've had the cops called on us and they come and they do nothing. It's like you're spinning your wheels. So now the legislative side, let's, okay, let's go after it this way. Engage politics. We need more Christian leaders. We need more Christians to take and say, you know what, I'm going to serve on this uh, county, you know, commissioner, kind of like what Gabe's doing in uh, Latah County up there in, in Moscow. Engage it. Engage politics. Get good men and women that are Christians into high authority places. And that's how you overturn everything. That's how you change a culture. It's like we backpedaled and backpedaled as a church. And now we're, we, we've gone and talked to other churches. Uh, abortion, that's too sensitive. We can't talk about that. We'll lose our seats. And it's like, really? That, so we're just going to hide from it? It's so dark and evil, but we'll just hide from it instead of addressing it as a church. And pastors should be ashamed. And that's why I think if you see what Jeff Durbin spoke on there in uh, at the conference, the woke church, that, I mean, abortion is the forefront of that. That's been happening for years. Even before the riots in BLM, pastors have shied away from speaking about this truth. And they're going to be judged for this. They, they should tremble thinking about what God is going to do as they stand before God. And they say, well, you know, it was just kind of something we didn't want to talk about. And we know why. They don't want to lose money. They don't want to lose seats. What have you seen when you think, you know, I think of a lot of pastors I know who don't speak on this subject, and I, I, and I, I understand the fear. Um, what have you seen for churches that have moved into this lane and begun to speak with confidence, with boldness, with courage, uh, and to act? What have you seen has been helpful for getting churches into that place? I mean, I mean, you've, you've seen enough churches kind of sign on with the end abortion now and begin to take those steps. Obviously, you guys equip churches to do that well. Sure. I imagine that there's a journey that churches take of being like afraid to taking first steps to kind of being being in it and being right sure. in the game of being one of the, the advocates. 
I mean, any tips for churches or pastors that are watching that are like afraid right now? One tip I would say, go out and YouTube search John Barrows, who's in Florida, who mm. goes to the abortion mill every He's a beast. Day. He is a beast. Every Total. day on crutches, bad health, good health. The man is a hero. Yeah. There is going to be pushback. This is not something that you're going to go and it's just going to be like, oh, they're going to listen to you. You're going to get spit at. You're going to get ridiculed. You're going to get possibly hurt. You know, someone might go by you and punch you. You don't know. Jesus suffered a heck of a lot more than what we're going to suffer standing That's outside. Right. We're so in depth to this. I don't want people to dislike me. I don't want to get pushback. That's how the church has failed. We need to be bold and strong and courageous because we have the truth. We know the truth in our heart. It's written on our hearts. God put it there in our hearts. I mean, you're talking to a guy who only knows baseball. I played 20 years professionally. All I know is baseball. And I can sit here and, and tell you that abortion is evil. It needs to be stopped. And we need men to stand up. It's the same men that don't leave their families at home that don't want to do this at, at the abortion mills. It's like, ah, you know what? Start leading your family. Start being the man that God put you to be inside whether you have a wife and kids or whether you're single and stand up for something that's, that's good and honorable and just that God tells us to. And so those churches that are looking to make this move, just watch YouTube videos of Jeff. Be gracious. You're sharing the good news. This is not something that you're trying to, to save souls out there. God is going to use your words to possibly bring someone to repentance. So is it worth going out there? Yeah. Just like the street pe preachers good to go out to the to the main street in your city you know he's going to get pushed back the whole time i talked to bobby mccreary who goes to atlanta some of the worst cities in atlanta and is a street preacher gets out and just starts sharing the gospel yeah he's saved god is using to save so many souls and it's like that's what you're trying to do there you're trying to save babies through saving souls it's not going to be like you're going to convince some atheists to not kill their baby they are going to start god is going to start working on their heart that's why you start to see them cry. They know what they're doing is wrong. Everyone that goes into that parking lot knows what they are doing is wrong. It's the ones that go through it that have no repentance. It's just Romans 3, right? God's just giving them up and he's letting them do what they're, what they're wanting to do. But the ones that come and actually turn away from it, watch John Barrow. I mean, you'll see women turn, men start weeping on the street that they were actually going to let their wife or girlfriend go through with it. And... It's just that it changes your, your life on it, changes your mind. I might get drugged through the mud. I might get hit from every angle over the next years to come. I don't care. I'm ready for this fight. My wife is ready for this fight. Jeff has prepared us uh, not only for what we hear every Sunday from him, Pastor James, Pastor Zach, from Luke, but what I've seen through the ministry and what we've seen throughout the world from this ministry. Let's save some babies. That's all we have to do. Just think about saving babies. Yeah. Amen, brother. So, um, are you okay taking a few comments? Sure, questions? absolutely. Okay. So, um, I've got I've got two right now. One is actually uh, it was asked. I should say it was it's an objection that was raised to me in a Facebook group in which I'm a part of. I'm not going to put it on the screen because sure. it was really for that group. But it's it's a follower of Christ, a man, brother in the Lord who says that abortion will not be ended through law because God has left Gentiles to self. I'm quoting now, okay? Mm -hmm. God has left Gentiles to self 
a debased mind and a darkened heart. Kind of like you were talking about with Romans three. I oftentimes go to Romans one for that. Um, That's why. Okay. So, so he continues on. He talks about Romans one 32, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die. They not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Now, um, the, the major pushback that this brother has with your approach, with the approach of, of um, legislative approaches like Action for Life, is you're trying to accomplish something through law that can really, according to this line of argumentation, be that can really only be accomplished through grace. Sure. The, the gospel is, uh, is, is the power of God for salvation. It's the spirit of Christ that, that makes someone a new creation. And so what would you say to someone, Dennis, who says, you know, you're trying to accomplish something through law, but as believers, um, you know, we're not under law, we're under grace. And, um, and therefore we shouldn't try to solve spiritual problems through legislative means. What would I say to that? Well, first of all, I'd say our constitution is based on God's law. If you look at it, you can't separate God's law from our constitution. So should we just withdraw and end culture and just wait for the rapture, right? Is that we should just withdraw and say, God, you're going to work this all out. Or through the legislative side, through end abortion now, going to the, to the mills, sharing the gospel, are we going to change hearts? Listen, in 1973, did anyone vote? To end up to, to, to Roe v. Wade was that that's not constitutional. It's unconstitutional. The whole Roe v. Wade is unconstitutional. So should we just let a tyrannical government just overrun and keep going? No, I think that's where Paul was writing in Romans was he was just he wasn't describing the government of the day. He was prescribing. What should we do? That's why we need Christians to engage the culture. We need Christians to be in high authority. This is going to get passed because hearts are changed. This is going to get passed because people are ready to fight and finally say, from all the science now, from all the the people that I need science, I need science. Well, here's the science. It's a baby at fertilization. That is a human being. You are cutting off the head, breaking limbs, snapping its spine of a human being in the womb. We should just say, I I had the thing in my house and I just said out loud, it brings tears to my We kill babies. We can actually say, it's okay to kill your baby. Women are out at the mill, men are out at the mill supporting the pro-choice movement. And really, they're not, it's not a, a choice. You're saying you could kill your baby. Just go in there. Oh, you don't have the money to support it? Go kill your baby. Why does this happen? Because the church has failed, right? We talked about it, adoption. The church should be adopting babies at will. Men, Christian men and women should be you know, not worrying about, is God going to provide the means to have another child. Let's adopt. Let's start. Let's stop letting the government raise children in public school and, and in these shelters. And let's the Christian church stand up and do what what is right and what they should have been doing from the get go. Go back all the way back five six hundred years. What was going on? Pastors were teaching the communities. Babies were being taken care of. They weren't slaughtering babies. And so now we've got we've given up the culture to these non-believers and we're surprised by all of this. And now we say that it's not going to be passed legislative. Well, sure, God's going to pass it, but we're all under God's reign. God is reigning. Jesus is reigning right now. So do we say, no, it's not going to get passed. We just go home and let God change hearts. Or do we say, "Okay, God, you've equipped me to go into the public square, share the gospel, 
And not only that, go into the political realm and start sharing the gospel and telling people the truth. What does our constitution stand on? It gives the right to life. The 14th Amendment, I mean, you have all of the things that you need to do. It's up to the government to protect the sanctity of life, to protect all life in the womb and out of the womb. And so to that man, I would say, well, what do you do then? Do you just give it up and just say, fine, we're just not going to do it? No, you fight it. You fight it from every angle. You fight it from the gospel side of it at the, at the mill all the way up to the political scheme. Most of those people in, in politics are running on, on pro-life. And then a bill comes and they shoot it down. So you need to stick to what your beliefs are. Yeah, man, that's that's um, that's really powerful. Thank you for sharing that. And so we did get another question uh, to come in here. I'm going to go ahead and put it up on the screen here. And it's it's uh, he asked it twice. So this question is coming from Dan King, and he says, "What are your ideas for not making this political?" And um, I'm gonna I'm gonna put the he asked it again a second time. I'll put that up. He said, "You flashed a lower third where you stated this is not a political issue." So I was quoting you earlier, Dennis. You said, yeah. "This is not a political issue. We just need men to be men." So Dan asks, "How do you suggest we separate from politics?" And I'm gonna give a shout out to Dan right now because he and I were just discussing this right before we got onto this video. Uh, we were texting back and forth, and um, I'm like, "Bro, you you gotta just just watch the video." So. Um, so Dennis, what do you say here? Because um, someone someone hears you saying we've got to end abortion, and and what they're hearing is a whole slew of other issues. They're hearing you you say or me say or someone saying because I have this position, which has now become a political one. Mm-hmm. They're hearing us say I love Donald Trump. I've got my red MAGA hat on. I've got my you know thin blue line flag flying in the front yard. And um, I've got my, uh, they, they view it as as being bound up with this whole spate of political issues, primarily as a political issue. Sure. And, and, and now all they can hear is, oh, so now you support Donald Trump. Well, what about what he said on the Access Hollywood tape? What about, you know, the guy doesn't know uh, how to pronounce First Corinthians. You know, he doesn't know, he's not a Christian. He, he's manipulating evangelicals and sure. all this stuff. And it's like, and now you've got the statement. Hold on, man. Hold on. Hold on. I'm on a rant here. And now you've got pro-life, supposed pro-life evangelical signing a statement, you know, where they support Biden. Help, help us out here, because how do we fight this cause without people, or or should people just say yes? This means, you know, that you have to take a political side. Help help us out, Dennis. How do you answer that question? Well, first of all, Donald Trump is not my savior, right? So I I can agree with some things he did are good. But I'm not Donald Trump lifer, where I'm just like, everything he does is gold. And uh, if, if Joe Biden were to come out and say, I am pro-life, then okay, I would move on and be like, oh, what, what is your economic plan? All right, what is your foreign policy? And then you look at the other things. But when you have one person who thinks it's okay to murder babies and the other person thinks it's okay to, to protect life, I'm going to go with the person that to protect life. What is the job of the government? That's what we have to ask ourselves. The the job of the government is to stand up for the oppressed, right? Which babies in the womb are the oppressed and to safeguard those who need it. That's the job. And so you have to make something political. So why do you make this political? Is it it Trump or is it Biden? Am I going to vote for Trump or Biden? I'm going to vote for Trump, 100%, because of the whole sanctity of life. He is pro-life. Doesn't mean I agree with everything. The Access Hollywood tape, I've said some terrible things, right? 
that I am glad no one had a recorder in one of the clubhouses that I, that I shared. I've done terrible things. I have, I have sinned against the Almighty God, just like Donald Trump. I don't think that you can see, you know, I'm, I'm a Trump lifer versus the never Trumpers. Like, he's done good things. But how, what do we measure a man by? Are you willing to stand up for life? So the political, it's hard to say, like, how do you not make it political? I have political conversations about this all the time. I, I told my UPS driver the other day, he called himself a Christian, but he said he's not willing to get, tell a, a woman what she can do with her body. And I, and I just asked him plain up. I said, do you wear a mask when you go into a store? He says, yes, I do. I said, well, how that, how's that treating you? Because someone's telling you what to do with your body and you're okay with that. But when it comes to killing a baby, you don't want to stand up and say anything. And so you can take both sides, but there's no neutrality. You can't, and this is just me. I, I'm not saying that this is for everyone. You can't be a Joe Biden supporter and then call yourself pro-life. I, I just don't know how you can, or even be a Democrat and say you're a Christian. They just don't match. They, the, the values of that party are so anti-God that you're, look at, all right, just look at the sanctity of, of life. Now let's look at same-sex marriage, okay? Conservatives are the ones that were against that. Okay, so now you're talking about God's law and what God's word says is good and not good. The, the left has a hard time of, of agreeing with what God said is good. So for me, it's not just like every, I'm an everyday Republican. I want what's right. I want Republicans and Democrats to be under the Lord's reignship and to do what God said is good. Some, sometimes the Democrats have some good ideas. Most of the time they don't. Sometimes Republicans have good ideas. Most of the time they don't. I'm not a diehard bleed red. I'm going to wear my MAGA hat out. But I also know where my vote's going when it comes time to vote for life versus not life. And it just has to be the Republican Party. So, okay. So to, to follow up on something you just said, Dennis, the, um, the statement you made, you said, I don't see how someone could be a Democrat and a Christian because those two don't mesh together. Um, are, are you speaking of... I, just to clarify, are you saying that someone, your your man, so Rafe and I were from Chicago. Sure. And this is why I'm this is why I'm asking this question. Sure. I lived in. We just moved. We moved out of the, my family and I moved out of the city. We lived in probably the most conservative area of Chicago. Okay, Northwest Side. Uh -huh. Even even there, I would say our congregation was split about fifty fifty politically. You didn't have a lot of diehard Republicans per se, yeah. but you had you know more conservative libertarian types, sure. and then you had sort of your your run of the mill Democrats because you live in a big city and Democrats talk a lot about social programs for the poor and things like that. And that resonates with a lot of people. Um, are you intending to say that your your run of the mill church going Democrat is is actually being hypocritical and they're they're literally not a Christian? Or are you talking more about politicians or are you saying that there's an inconsistency there? Could you, could you flesh that out? And yeah, there's, part definitely, there's definitely an inconsistency. Okay. You're either, you're either really not pro pro choice and you're in you and you just have an inconsistency in your, in your beliefs. But listen, it comes down to one easy thing. Do you think it's okay to kill babies? If you think it's okay to kill babies, how are you going to stand before God? and then say, God, I love you, I serve you, 
but I think it's okay to kill bait. I just don't see how you can, you can do that. I don't see how in your heart you can say, I know it's a baby in there, but you know what? She's broke and she doesn't have a lot of money and the guy left her. And I think she should be able to, to end that, end that life. Stand before God with that, with that explanation and see, see how that, how that treats you. I don't know if their heart is, is right in saying that they are pro-choice and a believer. They might love Jesus, but they are one of those that probably grabs their magic marker out on some of the Bible verses and starts crossing off things that they don't like in God's word. And so that's, that's my only challenge is to those Christians who say, I'm voting for Biden. And if, if they're voting for Biden just because Trump is terrible in their eyes and they hate him, which is about, I think, 7 million people right now, they said, are undecided, but they hate Trump. And so they just they can't vote for him. You're going to have to answer for that as a Christian. Is life the most important? Should you put aside the things that he said in his in, in the past? Should he put aside and stop being so pious? Please stop being so pious. The church has been so pious with, well, look at him. And he'll, he's such a sinner. Really? I mean, you don't have any sin that you, you have dark hidden away in your closet. Like, let's get rid of the piety and let's be honest. Is it, is it a matter of you hate Donald Trump because what he tweets out and that he's this and that? Because Joe Biden has said some heinous things about the black community and he's been very racist. And so you have to answer both sides of that. You can't just be so self-pious and be like, um, I can't vote for Trump. I hate him. But I'll vote for this guy who thinks murdering babies is okay. You're going to have to answer for that. And so I... I don't know their heart. Truly, I don't know. If I, I say that very justly. Oh, yeah, they're not saved. or I don't know if they're saved or not. But there's an inconsistency there that they have to sit down and pray about and think, where's my heart on this? One of the things I would add to that is one of the reasons the inconsistency is there is because pastors over the last 40, 50 years have not stepped up to preach on this important topic. Amen. And, so, and I know when I started preaching on it a few years ago, um, and just realizing it was a deficiency in my own preaching. And I was like, oh, I can't do that anymore. I need to start preaching on this clearly and equip our people. I had two different things happen. Uh, well, I guess three things. One was a whole bunch of folks say, finally, I've been waiting for you to, to preach on this. <laughs> two, I had a number of folks say, I totally did not get it, but now I understand it. Yeah. And they're, they're yeah. still a part of the church and they're all in. And, and what's happened to me as a pastor is, that's fueled me to preach more openly, more clearly, with more direct language and to mobilize more because I've realized, man, my people are being strengthened. They need this. Sure. And then the third category of folks who have said, Pastor, you're going all crazy on me and I'm out. Uh, and they've left. And those have been great conversations with folks of helping them and just trying and pleading with them to think consistently and biblically. But the problem is, is one of the reasons so many folks feel like they just got like once the once the church goes there they just want to get out or there's this myth of neutrality i pin a lot of that on pastors sure if pastors who have not proclaimed with boldness not preached with clarity not talked about the sanctity of life not done their job of looking out of culture and prophetically speaking into culture and so now there's a whole congregation who just assumes there's this neutral posture and the, the the icky issues of culture that Christians should speak into, they're kind of off limits. If their pastor doesn't have the courage, they're not gonna have the courage. Sure. And so I think pastors and, and pastors need to step up on this for sure. Yeah, should we, should we not talk about adultery? Should we not talk about uh, pornography in church? Should we not talk about all the issues and the struggles? 
just because, man, someone might be sitting in one of those chairs and he's struggling with it, but he might leave because you bring it to his eyes and you bring it aware in front of the church that this is wrong and this is evil. I mean, I was not a believer my whole life. So I know what my heart was. And I know that once I heard the true preaching of the gospel on all issues of life, you start seeing God shedding those out, like just cutting yeah. those away from you. When you talk about abortion, I know that there's women that have had abortions in our church that probably feel that shame and that, but that's why you have life in Christ. That's why you have been transformed. I mean, let's not be real. There are Christians driving their kids or their wife to the abortion mills and having abortions. This is not just a pagan atheist thing that they only do it and Christians don't. Christians, this needs to be called out in the church and pastors need to do a good job of it. This is sin. It is murder. And that's what we do. They're, they're so stuck. If you listen to some of the, the pro-choice explanations of it, even now, uh, like I said, the UPS driver that I talked to, oh, but it's not a baby. No, it is. It's already, it's not a clump of cells. That is an argument from like the 70s. Like that's already been disclaimed. It's gone. It's forgotten. It's a life. Yeah. And it's already been past that. And in that movie, you referenced uh, Marcus Pittman's Babies Are Still Murdered Here. Jeff goes to ASU and on that campus, he finally gets those three girls to admit, what are we here for? What is this really about? And she finally, after all of the cut and cutting off all the nonsense that she was trying to, oh, it's for this, it's for that. She finally just said, yeah, you can kill your baby. I think it's okay. That's why we're here. And thank you. That's why we have to engage it is Christians have the truth. We have God's word. We have the foundation. These are the ones that always come to us and they borrow from our worldview and to explain death. Why, why does an atheist cry at a funeral? You have no reason or standing to cry. You don't have a foundation. Only, only Christians have the worldview and the foundation to understand what is truly evil, what is bad, what is good. And we have to bring that to the culture. Yeah. So Dennis, um, something that John MacArthur said on a recent, he did the Sunday special with Ben Shapiro at one point last year, and they were talking about the intersection of politics and religion and faith, faith and politics. And MacArthur said something that I thought was so very wise. He said 50 years ago, none of these issues were political issues. Mm -hmm. So the church, the church, of course, the church was against abortion. You know, the church has been ab against abortion um, at least explicitly going back to the days of the Didache, which yeah. was the the first document laying out a, a sort of a baseline. It was like a discipleship manual for new um, converts and, and catechumens, you know, uh, folks who would get baptized. And it says in there, you know, Christians must not get abortions. We don't. We also don't abandon our children sure. because you know because uh, anyway that that's the Christian worldview. Fifty years ago in America, that was not a political issue per mm -hmm. se. In the same way that gay marriage was not a political issue. Homosexuality was not politicized the way it has been. Um, so Christians are standing where we've always stood on these things for the last 50 years. The problem now, or the, maybe you could say the difficulty now, is that when we stand there, Donald Trump is standing on the, on the same side of the line with us. Yeah. And he's got the political power to do something about it. And the fact of the matter is he has appointed over 300 pro-life judges. Mm -hmm. And so you, you look at that and you say, well, I don't know what he's doing over here. I've been standing on the same spot for 2000 years. I guess Donald Trump is on the same side as me now. Yeah. Um, you know, but now when it comes to some of his personal choices, well, he certain, certainly seems to 
Um, either in the past, he has stood over on the other side, which by the way, I was standing over there as well. Man, go back and look at where I was, um, you know, 15 years ago. Good grief, man. Like if you put, you know, if I put that up on the screen, I'd have to, I'd end the broadcast real quick, you know? Um, but the fact of the matter is so, so I'm standing over here on the side with, with Jesus, with the early church, with the consistent church for the last 2000 years, Donald Trump at least claims to be over here. And the fact is his actions are, Hey, if Joe Biden wants to come over to this side, if, if Kamala Harris wants to come over to this side, uh, I'll, with open arms, I would love that. That would be the yeah. most wonderful thing. And it's like you said, Dennis, now we can talk about immigration policy. We can talk about um, how we treat refugees. We can talk about economic policies. And I've yeah. got views I've got views on all those things. And I, th I think I want to be consistent biblically in those areas as well. But for me, now now here's where I'm going with this um, with this little spiel here. We did get another follow-up comment again uh, from from Dan. He says, so you only vote on one issue. I understand your position then. And I, I'm going to throw something out there, Dennis, and you tell me if you agree with this or if you want to push back on me. Sure. For me, it's not for, – for me, it's about the biblical worldview. It's never only about one issue. And like you said, sure. Donald Trump is not our savior, and ending abortion is not our sacrament. Yeah. Um, you're not saved because you're pro-life or because no. you end abortion. We're saved because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. He, right. he died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again just according to the uh, – as the scriptures – said that he would. And so we're saved by trusting in him as Savior and as Lord. But in terms of the political realm, if you want to call it that, the cultural realm, the fact of the matter is my Bible does tell me not to stand idly by when the innocent are being led off to the slaughter. And, right. and as a Christian, I can't stand idly by. And so for me, that does mean that I look around sometimes and I see myself with very strange um, co-belligerents, people that I never would have chosen to be on my team, and yeah. and guess what? They wouldn't have chosen me because because I'll gladly condemn any sin that they want to try to justify. I, I'm not, sure. you know, hey, uh, great. So you think, uh, you, you know, molesting people is is cool? No, absolutely sure. not. I'm a Christian, and yeah. and so um, no, it's never about a single issue. But when people are literally being slaughtered in their mother's wombs, that has to have a sense of urgency that trumps my economic policy. And sorry to use the word Trump there, but you get what I'm saying. Sure. There's got to there's gotta be a, a hierarchy of, oh. at least in terms of urgency, with how we deal with these things. So I'm laying that out. Now, in saying that, I am a crew missionary. I cannot, contractually, I cannot endorse a political candidate, but I do want to think about these things biblically and... Um, it, it, with a fully orb biblical worldview. Would, do you agree with what I said? Do you want to push back on that? How no, would you respond? I, I agree fully on that. I believe that it is a Christian worldview and I want things that align with my worldview. I'm not going to vote for things that I think, wow, that's really going to hurt people in the long run. This hurts this person. This hurts that person. First off, you have to look at, does this person think it's okay to murder someone and freely get away with it? That I have an issue. There's a moral dilemma that I, where I'm like, man, if you think that's okay, what what else do you think is okay? You know. And so you have to look at all of it. I'm not saying that I'm just a I'm a pro Republican. I want someone that is going to be pro life, that is going to have a Christian worldview, and that's going to live. I think all politicians should be held accountable and have a worldview that line up with what God tells us how to live. Like I don't think you should. 
if you think murder, uh, not murdering babies and, and life is good, but you are an adulterous man and you fornicate and all that, well then yeah, you have some moral issues and, I, and those need to be addressed. We need people to do the right thing morally and not just borrow from our worldview and then go back to theirs. We need, and we, that's why we engage the culture. That's why Christians should be engaging the culture on every avenue. Their sin is sin. I, I, I have, like I said, I've had plenty of sin in my life that I, man, when it came out, poof, it's a bomb dropping that you, even like right now, just thinking about it, man, I just wish I never had it, but God used that now to where I'm at. Like, man, I saw that. I saw the repentance. I saw what I went through and to where I am now. But the whole political thing of who you're voting for this, the, the, the life has to be the big question. Does this person think a life is important? Because if you don't think that baby's life's important, how do you go through the rest of your economic plan and all that? Because someone is going to be at the end of one of your deals, right? And so either your economic plans going to kill other people, just like this whole virus thing. They're, they already said 500,000 babies are going to die or people are going to, kids are going to die from starvation because everything's shutting down. So was it good to shut everything down and be in fear? Or should we have used the Levitical quarantining guidelines where you put the stick in quarantine and you let the rest of the healthy people go out? God, God's world, you know, God's worldview, Christian worldview should be entertained by everything. It should be in how you live, how you teach your kids, what education you want for them how we address politics, how we address what we're going to do um, on the weekends as a family. And so I really think that the Christian worldview, engaging the culture, engaging politics is where we need to go with this. We need Christian men to stand up to fight for the sanctity of life, but also for other things that God said is good. Yeah, and I, I, I missed a small section at the beginning of what you're talking about there, but we're talking about it being a one uh, being a Christian who's a one-issue voter. And, man, that's a question I get all the time. In fact, on my own podcast, I tried to address that this week as uh, I've had that question come in a lot recently. There's a number of things that come up with this. One are a few misnomers, in my opinion, just misconceptions people have about uh, the two parties. And oftentimes, when you, you know, the, the term pro-life uh, needs to be uh, specifically speaking about children in the womb because I think what happens is one of the, the tricks that people oftentimes pull is they broaden it out, the term pro-life. And forgive me if I'm repeating what was shared a little bit ago. Cut me off if I am. Uh, but what, what happens is folks uh, broaden out the term pro-life to be about all these other social issues. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it no longer is talking about the life in the womb, but it's talking about something else, some nebulous concept of what it means to be for human life and the dignity of life. And once you do that, you're no longer having a conversation. There's no actual tangibles of what we're actually speaking about. And so if we can, whenever folks have that question, I always think it's good. All right, let's let's make pro-life be talking about the sanctity of life in the womb. Sure. On every other issue, when I look at the two parties, and and I also need to be careful that I don't completely uh, tell folks who to vote for, for <laughs> in our church as well. But, but when I look at every other issue, um, we can talk all day long between Republicans and Democrats around what the best and most uh, – most healthy for the country and for as many people as possible is on immigration policy. Mm -hmm. And we can, we can have that debate and we can try to pull on biblical principles. We can do, we can do all of that. We can talk about that, about uh, any number of programs or tax structures or you name it across about healthcare. We, yeah. we can talk from two polar opposite camps 
and dialogue on those things and try to understand what makes for the best world, where the most amount of people can flourish, where the government's doing what they're assigned to do. And we can have healthy debate on that. There's sure. no debate to be had on what happens to the life in the womb from a Christian perspective. There, there, that's not a debatable topic. Nope. And so the, the, the reason I brought up the first point that folks tend to in, like broaden the term pro-life sure. is because that gets the conversation off the conversation. That's right. Just like it's, it's a just trick. Like so what I always say is let's just make sure we're speaking the same language. We can debate all day long. Are we on the same page on topic A? If so, this is what we know needs to happen. Everything else, let's discuss. Yeah, sure. That's what BLM did, right? Black Lives Matter. Well, as a Christian, of course, of course they matter. And it's not just all lives matter, black lives matter. Okay, so if they do, then how come at 3,000 babies a day, usually on average, are slaughtered in the abortion mill? More than half are minority. Mm. So if they matter, then why aren't you standing out there instead of riot? Why don't you go outside the abortion mill and save the lives? Right. I saw a, a stat that is staggering. In New York last year, 130,000 black babies were aborted. 119,000 were born. More black babies were slaughtered than born. Wow. And to me, it's like, are we talking about the same thing? Don't use a term, which they use that term to get people's attention. But let's talk about it. Let's talk about the black babies in the womb. Candace mm -hmm. Owens does a great job of bringing a lot of awareness to that. Vody Bauckham has talked on this. Oh, like, yeah. fun. I love Vody, what yeah. he's done for, the, for God's kingdom. There needs to be conversations about black lives, but yes, in the womb especially. And so abortion, like you said, it's about in the womb. Like we're talking about saving lives, the sanctity of life in the womb. That's the safest place. That baby can't fight for itself. That baby needs people to fight and take care. It's just a matter of location. Jeff always talks about this. There's no different from that person in the womb than the, than the baby that's the mom's holding their arms, but just location. Location, that's it. It's still a baby in there. Yeah. And I, you know, you brought up something earlier too that I just think is so helpful. Watching guys like Jeff and, and uh, pastors and other guys on, on online that do this work regularly. If you're, if you're watching this and you're looking for a way to boost your confidence, oh, man. watching people do it and listening to the language repetitively, beginning right. to hear it, beginning to see it, you begin to gain a confidence and even a vocabulary that is helpful to eventually building confidence in you to begin having conversations as well. So if you're looking for a place to start, I mean, the work that you guys have put online, it's so valuable. And there's a lot of guys, a lot of churches around the world that are doing it. Begin to listen and learn and, uh, and pray for the Lord to grow your confidence. I sure. think he really honors that prayer and gives you opportunities to step out in faith. And then, you know, that's the thing about faith is like once you start stepping out in faith, it's kind of you build your own contagion. You, you, you yeah. realize this is actually the life I want to live, a life by faith. Yeah. Pastor Toby Sumner said something so powerful uh, the other day at the conference. Don't you can't go out and fight abortion at the mill with hate in your heart and with sin in your heart. Right. You have to confess that to God. You have to be made right with him because you're going out there sharing love. You're not going out there to fight people, to yell obscenities. You're going out there to share the good news, what we all know, and to share the gospel as much as you can and let God's word do the work. That's the power of God's word, right? It's not us. We're not saving babies. God's saving the babies. Right. Leave, leave your, your piety, leave your, yeah, all that nonsense at home. Go there, watch those videos, learn from them, 
and know that you are going to get pushback and just be gracious. Be gracious. That's the biggest thing is be gracious. Man, amen. And you know, I, I, I want to just say something to some of our viewers who might be <laughs> maybe up to this point, they either out of um, alignment with uh, let's say the Democratic Party, or out of just pure dislike and disdain for Donald Trump, have have really been aggravated by by Christians' insistence that being pro life and ending abortion is such a major issue. I just I just want to put this out there that if you're not there today, right now, at this moment, where you're ready to go out and begin advocating, I understand. It is, it is a tough thing to want to put yourself out there. But when you understand, when you truly commit yourself to living out a biblical worldview from start to finish, sun up to sundown, every day of your life, it is going to lead you to some uncomfortable places. And this is why we do not fix our eyes on Donald Trump or Joe Biden or any political party. Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you must fix your eyes on Jesus Christ. Colossians 3.1 says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. So for, for Christians, the answer, the ultimate answer, is never political. It's always Christ. It's, it's Jesus Christ. And when you follow Christ, it will lead you to some uncomfortable places. So I want to just encourage you, if up to this point you've been uncomfortable pursuing this issue, uh, and and you're you're just so concerned because you're like, man, if I start to you know really pursue the pro-life cause or the ending abortion cause, Dennis, you might not like me saying pro-life there because of all the other implications. But um, if you if you know if I start to go down this road, does that mean I have to become a Trump stumper, MAGA hat wearing, you know, died in the wool, diehard Republican? How about we just start here? What is Jesus Christ? What attitude does Jesus Christ want you to have Amen. toward the innocent child in the womb? Amen. Start there. Start there. See where it leads you. And I can tell you, so far it hasn't led me. I don't have a red cap that I go around, you know, running around uh, with the MAGA flag, Trump boat, Armada floating. I don't do any of that stuff. But I do want to support the life of the uh, of the unborn child in the womb, and I, I can tell you, I can tell you guys, I've got a long way to go in this myself. I consider myself to be one of the most pro-life, um, anti-abortion people that I know, and I can tell you, I have got worlds to grow um, in this area. Amen. And, and so, Dennis, what's a good place for people who want to get started? Um, should they go to your website? What what should they? Uh, yeah, should they, if, you're church, if you're a church that wants to get connected, go to End Abortion Now. Get hooked up with our church. We'll send you everything. It's free. We don't charge anything. We'll equip you to go out to those abortion mills in your city. Uh, secondly, if you want to join uh, us in the fight and help partner with us, that's uh, TakeActionForLife.org. Um, our parent, our 501c4, which is RedStateReform.org. All the information is on there. Um, I'm on Twitter. Facebook, uh, leave us a message. Um, we just want to encourage everyone that this is going to be a fight that needs to be fought and it needs to be fought by the Christians. And mm -hmm. we have the worldview, we have the truths, we have the gospel, and we need to go out and take it to the world. Wonderful. Dennis Sarfate, not Sarfate. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, man. It, this, this is really, yeah, it's, it's, 
it's just it's been very challenging it's been let me let me tell you the boldness you can tell you go to jeff durbin's church man <laughs> <laughs> because the boldness you guys have to just to say this is what the bible says this this is how we apply it not just what it says but this is how we apply it is so invigorating man it's like it's like drinking a couple of red bulls listening to you talk about this stuff to be boldness and beard that's what you gotta have to apology. You know, you know you're gonna apology if you got a good beard and you got boldness. That's right. That's right. Well, well, knew, you know, I, I, if I knew that you were at apology at apology at church, I wouldn't have shaved this morning. I feel <laughs> bad about that. As soon as I heard that on this interview, then I felt I felt terrible. Rafe, awesome. Rafe, when I first, I still think of you as having a beard, Rafe, because when I first met you, when we, we, uh, Dennis, Rafe, and I both used to serve on staff, pastoral staff at the same church, and uh, he he had a beard when I met him. So I always think, Rafe, I thought you were a, you know, a good, uh, faithful, uh, biblical exegete, and um, you know, I have to always constantly check with you now because I'm never sure now that you're, you're so clean shaven. Biblical now, it's terrible. You got that fresh shave. You got that fresh shave. <laughs> Thank you guys. Connect with the think, uh, connect with more contact content uh, from Dennis Sarfati by going to redstatereform.org or takeactionforlife.org. Um, connect with Rafe Chenery. Get more contact. Man, I do this all the time. Um, connect with more wonderful content from Rafe Chenery by going to rafechenery.com. Connect with the Think Institute by going to thethink.institute. Get our whole back catalog of podcasts by going to thethink.institute slash podcast. Uh, we are on all the social media, so connect with us on social media. And if you have not yet subscribed to our Think Update email, we've got a fresh one going out tomorrow. You can subscribe to that right at the front page of the think.institute. So go check that out. Man, we're going to have a really, really good one for you this week. We have a lot of new subscribers from the Fight, Laugh, Feast conference. So, uh, so check that out. Um, man, I sure hope you heard something that was helpful. I know I certainly did. Uh, and um, remember, this is not goodbye. This is just a little pit stop along the way of your spiritual journey. So that's about all we have for you today. Until next time, I hope it made you think. 